I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast with special guests from the Rochester Food Net. In this episode, Adam Wilcox and Kurt Brownell from the new Rochester Food Net remoted into the studio since we're all still practicing social distancing appropriately. This was recorded on, I believe, uh, March 22nd, so keep that in mind in the context of us discussing everything. But we talked about spending time at home, uh, some of our cooking adventures, and then just kind of bounced around with a bunch of different topics. Uh, Adam struggled with with uh, his actual microphone as we were getting started, but we did all right, so uh, apologies for the overall sound quality, and we'll try to keep on improving as we record more of these going forward. So I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll be back with another one soon with Chris Clemens and Amanda Antonor from the New Manchester Food Net as well. So enjoy, and stay safe. We're recording this in a series of episodes for Rochester Food Net in conjunction with Food About Town. And uh, in this episode, we are with a couple people from Rochester Food Net. Why don't you introduce yourself, uh, Adam? Yeah, I'm Adam Wilcox, and uh, I am one of the founders of Rochester Food Net um, way back when. I also run a company called 30 Bird Media that uh, publishes instructional materials. And I play in bands and, you know, I do stuff. You've got dogs, which obvious is apparent. I have a dog. Yes. And he is apparently agitated at the moment. <laughs> uh, and just, just as a little, uh, as, a, as a prelude to the conversation, um, we are obviously talking in the time of uh, COVID-19 coronavirus being pervasive here in Rochester and around the country and around the world. So this is a conversation with that tone in mind that we are, uh, none of us are scientists or uh, medical professionals. Uh, We'll be light talking, we'll be serious talking and doing an intro a little bit in the audio format for each of the people. So as we do these going forward, both in this time and hopefully when things are better, uh, we'll be able to continue to have these audio-based conversations and probably video later on. So, um, as soon as we get it all figured out. Absolutely. So we're we're learning on the way today, especially remotely, and we'll have better quality as things move on as well. Um, so, Kurt, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, hello. I am Kurt Brownell. Uh, I am a photographer, and I do a lot of food photography, which is how I got involved with Rochester Food Net. Uh, I shoot for a lot of uh, corporations, local ones around Rochester here, Wegmans, Constellation Brands, uh, a lot of different restaurants and food vendors, and uh, photographed a few cookbooks here and there. And just, I, I just love food. I love cooking. I love the people in the food industry, and uh, I love the, I, I love promoting anything uh, that's Rochester-based and has to do with cooking, eating buying food. So yeah, this perfect Rochester food net is a perfect home for me. Yeah. And, uh, speaking of which, uh, I do have to say, uh, I did get my, got your, got your pictures that came out. Uh, we did some in a weekend when I was back from Milwaukee, we took them at good luck, like the, the rest of the Rochester food net crew. And I do have to say, I didn't hate all of them. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard not to hate pictures of ourselves, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's really terrible. I I, I think, I, for me, there was like three or four that I really enjoyed, which percentage-wise is way more than anything else I've ever taken, which is awesome. Well, and being that we did yours without the benefit of, you know, any additional lighting or, you know, we were, already, we were in a restaurant that was already occupied with people, I'd say that you'd, you'd perform pretty well given the... Uh, given the obstacles that were in the way of your shoot. That was, I think that was my last official shoot before this COVID business uh, kind of swept the rug out from under me here. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I, I had a good time. It was, it was kind of an interesting experience. I've never done a photo shoot before in any way, shape or form other than, you know, like the, you know, space background, high school, high school yearbook thing. 
Yeah, and Kurt, he has like those those weird like light umbrella things that look like they're from a Woody Allen movie or something. Oh wow! See, I didn't get that. I just got like the live, live like light, and we're just using a camera and natural yeah, lighting. Yeah, yeah. We went very very photojournalistic with your approach, Chris. Adam, you you got more of the editorial, you know, the the full blown <laughs> Hollywood treatment. Right. Yeah, which I mean, you know, I I think I I think it fit it suits me, but. It would be interesting to see it in a full setup. So maybe when we have uh, we do some more of this stuff, I'd you know I'll get all dolled up and I I, I got the uh, I got the Wilcox haircut right now too. <laughs> I, it's a trend. <laughs> I see that. Yeah, man, yeah. You guys got to fully commit like I have though. Yeah. See, this is the Kurt Wilcox and uh, Lindstrom haircut. <laughs> yeah, man. We could slide through the. There's no COVID threat in our heads. <laughs> I, I did the I did the fully bald thing at another point in my life, maybe even before I met you, Kurt, which is going back a while because we've known each other a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but but my wife objected. Ah, my wife objects. Yeah, see, I got home. I I drove eleven hours back from Milwaukee on Friday, and I'm like, oh, there's gonna be no barber. My hair's getting a little bit long now. <laughs> Screw it, it's all gone. I'm taking it all off. Yeah, you had hair for the photo shoot. Yeah, which I mean, gone. we're good. <laughs> We've, you've already invalidated my work, man. No, completely oh, gone. I, no, that that was the Chris of years past. But no, I think uh, I think I think I tried growing out a little bit of beard. You know, I figured, ah, since we're gonna be living like hermits, maybe I'll just go. The, yeah, I got the hard no from my wife. Ah, no beard, no facial hair, nothing. See the, the last I always made about my my baldness was I was going for Patrick Stewart but ended up kind of Uncle Fester. <laughs> <laughs> See the the last time I fully shaved my face this was a few years back. Um, Carrie had never seen me without a beard before in one form or another, or a mustache or whatever. I shaved it all off, and her exact words were, "Your face is wrong," <laughs> and and I haven't wow. done it since. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, the directness of uh, the directness of uh, of uh, of married companions. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, change your genetics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So um, I guess while we're here, so we did a we did a little bit of a brief intro, but uh, I want to dive in and give people a little bit of audio intro to uh, both of the both the other people. So Adam, you've done you've been writing in Rochester for a long time. You and I talked about this on the episode you recorded with me on the food about town podcast, but you and like, you've been writing about food in Rochester for a hot minute now. Yeah. I think I'm kind of the elder statesman of Rochester food media. Yes. Who's still kicking, right? Who's still kicking. I mean, Michael and I, I got into it around the same time, Michael Warren Thomas, um, but yeah, I think I started uh, right around when my first kid was born, maybe a year after that. So maybe 97 or so. Yeah. I started writing for City Newspaper. <clears throat> and uh, I've, I've written for somebody um, in some form ever since. Uh, and, and it's been a really interesting journey, you know, watching, watching the food scene develop, watching the local scene develop. And and trying to work on exactly what it is I'm doing, you know, as a food writer. And that changes all the time. That's, uh, uh, that's very interesting. And, and of course, right now (laughs) it's, it's very interesting. You know, what, what are you as a blogger who, who primarily deals with food, um, right now when we're all staying home? Yeah. It's kind of a, it's kind of a huge challenge and, uh, your piece that published uh, a couple uh, right now it'll have been a couple days ago, depending on when this comes out over the next week. Um, it, it's it's really it's it's a complex challenge for we we talk a lot about restaurants, we talk a lot about going out, we talk a lot about being around people, right. and this is a unique challenge because I think I found I thrive in that environment, being around things, being you know talking to people face to face and engaging. And how how do we how do we pass through the world when we when we've lost a big part of I think what we what we all end up enjoying a lot. Yeah, that that connectedness and and I 
I think the answer is that we maintain that connectedness in a different way. Yeah, which which is why we're we're trying to do something like this right now is right. Uh, we were meaning to do, you know, more audio and, um, you know, audio communications for Rochester Food Net through Food About Town on the podcast side of things. But, you know, we're we're forced into this a little bit. So we're we're starting we're starting from a dead stop. And I think we just want to start to show part of who we are through what we're all dealing with right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know early in the week, uh, there was a day where I, uh, I, as RFN, you know, cause we, we all sort of take that role at different times on social media. When you see a post from Rochester food net, it could be any one of us. Um, but I spent a day pushing restaurants, takeout offers and, and that felt like the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, it, it, it really did feel like the right thing to do. I thought, well, I'm, I'm helping my friends' businesses and local business, and I'm helping people who want to find out what they can get brought in. Because I, I think a lot of people younger than I am haven't cooked a lot in their lives, you know? Yeah. They, they've mostly gone out. So for all those reasons, that felt right. And then all of a sudden, you know, everything's changing so fast. I started to wonder, is that right? Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I certainly don't. And I don't want to make an uninformed pronouncement about that. But what, what sort of went through my experience this week was, wow, this isn't, this isn't just food businesses that are in jeopardy. This is every business that's in jeopardy. And I own a business and my business is threatened right now in a, in a very deep way and facing the same kind of challenges everyone else is facing with greatly reduced uh, level of business and income. Same expenses we always have. Um, so it's really a broader question than how do I help my favorite restaurants stay open? Yeah. Oh, and I think that's the biggest challenge. Um, I mean, especially independent contractors like, uh, like yourself and like, you know, you're running a business and then Kurt, you're kind of an independent contractor, right? Right. I mean, Kurt, your, your business is entirely an in-person thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, unless, uh, unless I get hit up with a ton of retouching work I can do in the comfort of my studio, but yeah, I, I, same thing. Everything just kind of came to a halt, but you know what? It's weird. I don't know about you. To me, that was almost kind of secondary. It's kind of, it was like, it was a side effect of all this going down. You know, it's almost like there's a bigger thing at play here and we're all trying to figure out what's going to be what's going to be basically what's what's our what's going to be our new normal for a while here uh you know but i'm very much a silver lining optimist kind of guy and we are rochester food net and one thing we can guarantee people are still going to be eating food in one form <laughs> or another during all this that is one concept we're going to have i mean you go into a wegmans or walmart or any any shop and you're pretty sure that food's not sitting on their shelves. So it's gotta be sitting in people's pantries. So I think uh, we still have a role to fill it. I think it's just, we're shifting gears. We're maybe downshifting a little bit. Yeah, right. I agree. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a place for a lot of different conversation right now. And like I said at the top, um, we're, we're not here to pass judgment on what people are doing. You know, if people are going for takeout to support their businesses, I'm I'm still okay with that decision. There's a lot of minimized risk at this point as best as we can. Uh, and I completely understand those that are uh, more militant on the side where I'm not going anywhere. Um, it's, it's a very difficult decision right now. Um, I'll say for myself, like yesterday I needed more, needed more supplies. I'd been out of town. So I went to the public market. I grabbed vegetables, you know, I quick grabbed a, grabbed a bread, got, got coffee and I got back home. I limited my space and did as best as I could. Um, it's none of this is perfect. None of this is, we're going to limit it as best we can and be as isolated as we can be. And then try to connect with people through our different media, like we are right now. Yeah. I, I think a lot of, uh, what I've been trying to do and Karen cross Smith who writes for us is trying to do is to you know, just talk about the ideas we've had to cook what's already in our houses. Um, you know, I, I, I got a lot of rice, 
Yeah. Know, so, well, let's uh, let's let's talk about let's talk about that in more specifics because that's that's a huge topic right now, and I think a lot of people, uh, one, a lot of uh, media outfits, um, nationally and otherwise, are posting about how to cook staples. So, I'd highly recommend going to look at some of those as well. Beyond what we're going to talk about today, and in future episodes, because this this is a huge topic and everybody's got their ways of dealing with staples and durable goods. And to be fair, a lot of people, like you're saying, haven't spent a lot of time cooking uh, cooking dried foods as much, right. cooking canned foods and making it as delicious as it can be. Yeah, and a lot of my favorite cuisines are the cuisines of, you know, old poor people cultures, uh, Indian or Middle Eastern cultures where they've been dealing with uh, making things that have to be long preserved. Um, for a long time. So, you know, turning to Indian, turning to Middle Eastern, turning to uh, Hispanic foods, th things where you're using dried beans and you're using rice. Uh, yeah. Goods. I've been doing a lot of that myself. Um, I guess I'll, I'll start with like kind of specifics of what I've been cooking recently because this is stuff I've been dabbling with for a while as I've transitioned into most you know, eating 95% plus vegan with barely dabbling in a little bit of dairy and otherwise. Um, I've been cooking more of this over the last few months anyways. And Who knew what good practice it would be? Yeah, you're not kidding. Because uh, I'm stocked up with dried beans and brown rice and, you know, cans of tomatoes. And how do you take that and make it um, make it evocative of the foods that we all love to go out and eat from Indian to Middle Eastern to... Um, to other kind of flavors. Um, yeah. One thing I cooked recently was a inspired by uh, chana masala Indian uh, chickpea dish. Um, and I always kind of twist things around because I'm not beholden to the 100% traditions of the food. Um, but I'm cooking from dried chickpeas, which you can definitely cook from canned. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, but I've learned, you know, learned about soaking beans uh, ahead of time makes a huge difference yeah i think i think one of the pieces of advice i'd have for people is is start to learn to plan 24 hours ahead um with your cooking because so many things are so much easier uh if you do some things ahead and some things have to be done ahead like soaking beans yeah i, I did i did uh figure out i mean through what other people have already done is if you need to quick soak, you can roll it to a quick boil and then let it sit hot and it'll yep. cut your soak time in, you know, about a fifth or less. I, I did that yesterday with some black beans. I made some black beans and rice to go along with some ribs that I made and didn't think to soak them the night before, but uh, the quick boil and, and actually just an hour in that hot water did the trick. And then obviously they cook a little bit while you're cooking them down with the other ingredients. So it was, it was a big, I mean, my whole family ate it up, which surprise the heck out of me so yeah well i think it's it's this is kind of a this is the opportunity to experiment and learn about this kind of stuff um and the, the same techniques work for chickpeas and black beans uh you know different different styles of beans uh lentils all these different things can benefit from a, a soak before you cook them yeah kurt uh, what did you do with your ribs oh well i'm doing a piece for rfn on that uh, oh one of my one of my things I love. You like how I lobbed that softball in there? For yeah, you. that was oh, that was that really was bad. I did. I took lots of pictures. I almost forgot. The hardest part for me is always the final picture right before I eat it because it's usually not a long transition between when it uh, comes out of uh, the cooking method and when it's in my mouth. But uh, no, I I like to take things that are that seemingly are very complicated or or not accessible by most people like most people they hear ribs and they think oh geez breaking out the smoker and you know you gotta you gotta do all this different uh, preparation to get the ribs ready and the recipe that i've used for a couple years now involves basically a dry rub sitting overnight and then uh baking in the oven and finishing either under a broiler or on the grill and it's no mess literally uses a, a sheet pan and and tin foil so, I mean, I'm not making a big mess. I don't have to, it, you know, you miss the romanticism of having a grill going, but it is very accessible. And man, 
uh, two racks of two racks of spare ribs. I mean, there's there's three or four meals in there, and that stuff just gets better. I mean, I'm thinking I'm going to make a nice ramen later on with some of those ribs. Uh, I think the last meal I had out was at Firoshiki and had uh, had some ramen with the uh, with the spare ribs and the uh, spice bomb, and I think that got me in the mode of I got to make some ribs at home. <laughs> That's beautiful. I got a uh, rib recipe years ago from Russell Ferguson. Either of you guys know Russell? Oh, I, I know Russell so. real well from Wegmans. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Russell. Uh, I I don't know what his title is, but he's he's somewhere up high and prepared foods for uh, Wegmans locally. Yeah, I think he's like resident sarcasm manager or something. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like that's his title. I'm pretty sure. I hope you see this, Russell, because we love you. Um, but years ago, he gave me a recipe that's very much like what you're describing, Kurt. It, it's rub it, put it in foil, put it in the oven, forget about it, take it out. It's delicious. And it really is. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, you don't have to do any of that crap. You know, I'm like, okay. None of, none of the drying out that you get sometimes, you know, because that's the thing. When you're, when you're cooking on a grill, you constantly have to worry about, you know, the, the consistent temperature and... Or if a smoker, obviously, you can keep the temperature a little more consistent, but, you know, they dry out real easily if you don't watch them, and you don't want to be checking them every second, because then you end up, you know, undoing your your hard work to uh, get that temperature consistent. So, yeah, I, I, love, yeah. I love that method. There are yeah. people who are totally grill whisperers, and they do amazing things with the grill, but I, I find the grill to be extraordinarily challenging with meats, just for the reason you're describing, Kurt, it, it's so easy to dry things out. I, I never make burgers on the grill. I think it's just foolish, you know. <laughs> you just turn them into hockey pucks. Uh, you know, you make a burger in, in a in a cast iron pan or on your foreman, and it's going to come out great every time. Yeah. Well, and I think, uh, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of room for experimentation right now. And I think my biggest recommendation for people is yes, buying the durable goods that you can stock up on. Without hoarding, please. Um, but uh, learning how to develop flavors with what's in front of you. Um, it's the little techniques that make your food from flat to exciting. Um, if you have seasonings, if you have, you know, I, I stock a lot of seasonings that are flexible. Like I use miso in almost everything I cook. doesn't matter what kind of food it is. Um, learning how to, you know, bloom that in oil, cook it out. Any spices you're using, cook it out in oil before you use it. Uh, if you have your onions and garlic, you know, make sure you cook them out. Build your flavors. And you can have a lot of exciting food, um, exciting food in the house and diverse. And if you have the big stuff, cook it big, freeze it, and then you'll have food when you need it. So you don't have to cook every day. Yeah, you. it's great to have on hand a bunch of the, the kind of Mirapois kind of things. Um like you said, the, the onion and the garlic are indispensable, but celery or fennel or mm. parsnips or, you know, any, anything like that. Uh, ginger uh, absolutely really helpful in, in those, those contexts. I know, and, and you're mentioning miso is great because I, I've also been, I, I don't use miso a ton, but some kind of umami enhancing step. You know, absolutely. Taken to, when I make my risotto, I, I didn't do this in the one I talked about with Karen. Thanks, Gordon uh, Karen, Ramsay. What's that? Thanks, Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. Risotto. Karen, I have a risotto uh, battle <laughs> piece coming up. Um, but one of the ways I do risotto is I reconstitute dried mushrooms, uh, you know, in as little water as I can get away with. And then I preserve that water. And, you know, at the beginning of a risotto, you often add a wine which I do, but I will add the mushroom water first. And it, it just gets right in the heart of the flavor profile. Any kind of umami blast can really set things apart. And, and the other one is, and Karen reminded me of this in the risotto article, is, uh, you know, have your acid on hand for the end. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Drizzle no. the end. Yeah. That's... And not, not, not because you want things to taste like lemon. That's, that's not it. It, it's that, you know, what's that show? Salt, fat, acid, sweet. Acid heat, you know, yeah. Acid heat. The um, the acid is really important in the balance of what's happening. Yeah, well, and this is also a good time to remind people that 
you know, if you're not stocking up on fresh citrus, which completely fair thing not to do right now. Um, if you have a few different vinegars in your house, I'm not saying you should use like white distilled vinegar as much, but different things from apple cider vinegar to rice vinegar to balsamic. There's so many different applications. Instead of lemon, you can use a splash of rice vinegar and make something delicious and still add that acid without necessarily having stocked uh, fresh citrus because the pre-made citrus juices are uh, straight garbage. Yeah. My brother years ago sent me an email giving me advice about cooking. And and the big one he was talking about was all the different acids you can use almost interchangeably. Um, And, and two, two other ones you didn't mention there are uh, pomegranate molasses, Mm -hmm. uh, which everybody had all the middle Eastern stores have it. Tops always has it. Wegman sometimes has it. I'm, I'm assuming the Middle Eastern Isles aren't ransacked in tops, but who knows? Well, we'll uh, talk about shopping in a few minutes because I have my own perspectives on that. Yeah, but yeah. another one like that is uh, tamarind paste. Mm. That, that's mm. that's something you can get at most Asian places and in most Asian aisles of supermarkets too. You know, you know my secret that I that I just discovered a little while ago, and and I already burned through a jar of it. Is um, they make this uh, pepper crisp. It's it's like uh, pepper flakes. It's in the Asian section of the of the supermarket, and it's in like a it's in like an oil, but it it's not super spicy, but boy, it gives this crispy texture to mm. the. It's almost like uh, you know when you sprinkle like uh, like onions, um, you know, uh, fried onions on top of something. This does the same thing, but gives it that distinct uh, kind of uh, Asian flavor to foods. I, I've actually been mixing it in with ketchup to make like a spicy dipping ketchup if you're tired of like sriracha ketchup or something and then uh yeah anchovies uh some oil soaked anchovies are my go-to for an umami boost mm. uh, yeah. especially with vegetables yeah saute that up with a little bit of oil and garlic and i tell you it takes any vegetable you throw in there to the next level so just as a uh clarification for specificity about the product you're talking about uh generally referred to as chili crisp um, yeah. So you're right on there. And the the brand name, which is really the only one people buy, is uh, Lao Gao Ma. Yes. So and you know that stuff. I huh? do. So if you go to uh, if you go to um, uh, place, uh, Asia Food Market or a lot of other places, you'll see there'll be a few different versions. Lao Gao Ma is the brand. It's not the specific thing because there's different versions of it with, you know, more fermented stuff and different mm-hmm. flavor profiles. Uh, the one you want is uh, usually called Hot Chili Crisp. And yeah, and if, it you is, go, if you go to the Asia food market, you can wander around for 20 minutes, not finding it, ask someone, have them tell you <laughs> something you don't understand, and then go back and wander for another 20 minutes and find it. Absolutely. Still, still leave with 40 things in your basket that you didn't even come in for. That's yes. how it goes for me. Um, I love the Asian food market. That place rocks. Yeah, it's, it is my go-to shopping place and still is today. Um and when I went to stock up, a, you know, it was a week or so ago when I was home, I went there first to get my, to get good brown rice, uh, to get fresh greens, because they're still well stocked with greens, uh, well stocked with other staple ingredients for me now, like, you know, chili crisp, uh, miso, all sorts of varieties. Uh, if you're trying to cook from staple things, there's very few places that are better than going to Asia food market and shopping. Maybe with a close second place to uh, like Spice Bazaar or an Indian grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. I like the Asia food market for just the sheer variety quantity and, and things turn over pretty fast there, mm-hmm. which, which is good. Some of the, I'm not going to name anywhere, but there are places where things don't turn over as fast as you'd like. Yeah. There's a lot of people to chop there uh, from all different persuasions. Uh, I've right. seen lots of chefs shopping there from either Asia, Asian restaurants that I know or uh, different people. I've seen Mark Cupolo there shopping for himself. And it's it's just a great, it's a truly great grocery store. And if you are going out, um, there's people who are not shopping at places like that due to uh, poor reasoning and uh, racism. So if you're going out and don't want to deal with empty shelves and want to get stuff that's really delightful to eat you know go shop at asia food market um and 
uh, places like Spice Bazaar or other Indian grocery stores to get some of those staples that you can store for weeks on end uh, to let yourself cook with excitement. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to have, I want to have as many spices on hand as I can possibly have. Absolutely. You know, cause it's, I think one of the, one of the reasons we go out is convenience. Uh, one of the reasons we go out is aesthetic. It's boredom. You know, it's, uh, I'm bored with my own cooking, you know, well, you're going to have trouble not being bored with your own cooking right now. If you aren't kind of adventurous about it. Absolutely. Uh, you, you know, can have so many... fun with that. I mean, you can try things that like today, this morning, I had some leftover rice. I'm like, you know what? I got some things here. I think I'll taste good in this. I put in, chopped up some pistachios, some almonds, some raisins, uh, put in a little coconut sugar, and then I finished it off with some coconut milk and stirred it up. Man, it was, I, I could eat that for breakfast every day. Not a traditional breakfast food, but it was in our house today. Yeah, why not? Kind of Absolutely. Of rice, you know? I mean, there's very few things more flexible than leftover rice. Yeah. I mean, you, you could have taken. I'm assuming you guys have had some of the odd sort of desserty things Ming has served me when we're there. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know? yeah. There's like, there's coconut milk and there's unidentifiable floating objects. And <laughs> I love that stuff. That stuff's great. As a right? reference. Because Adam talks about this place endlessly. He can't help himself. I can't. So he's within walking distance of, you know, one of the you know longstanding uh, Chinese restaurants in Rochester, uh, Ming's over on, that's, that is uh, Clinton, right? South Clinton, yeah. On South Clinton, uh, on the east side of Goodman. And, I mean, this this is a place that Adam has eaten at countless times. I think you actually tried to count them, which, because you're a crazy person. 1,026. I was at the thousandth one, if I remember correctly. I think you were. Um, I think I sat in a chair with your nameplate on it the other day when I was there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's, I think it's a great example of, you know, eating somewhere and being a regular, but also just the, the endless diversity of cuisines. Cuisines are never one thing. I know you're, you've uh, mentioned you've cooked a lot of uh, Mediterranean stuff at home from uh, one of the uh, great cookbook writers for Mediterranean food, uh, Otolenghi. But it's there's so much diversity in these foods that we can start to dive into with staple goods right now. And assuredly, we'll be talking more about this as we go forward. Yeah, Otolenghi's Jerusalem cookbook, and he has another one just called... Is it just called vegetables? I think it is. Yeah, it's something <laughs> very it's simple. Called vegetables. He has one called dessert. Those are all good. Another uh, Mediterranean cookbook author from a earlier generation is Paula Wolfert. Her, her book, uh, Paula Wolfert's Cooking of the Eastern Mediterranean, changed my life. Or the one of the other modern ones uh, would be, I think it's called Zahav uh, by Michael Solomonov out of uh, Philadelphia, yep. um, which you know inspired... You know, it was one of the great inspirations for some of the food we get at Radio Social today uh, here in Rochester. Um, and there's there's just so many great inspirations to look at right now. Um, yeah, and Amazon's still delivering books, so. Yep. And, we, you know, we have, you can get digital versions of just about everything nowadays. Not that it's perfect, but we can get digital versions of most things. Um, speaking of digital things, um, gentlemen, how are we passing our time right now? What are we? What are we jumping into? Uh, shows, music. I, I say music. Eric, what, do, what do you got going? You know, I I've been listening. I've been cooking a ton since I did this. I'm kind of you know when this all started out, I was kind of like, oh man, I'm gonna get so many different things done. I wanted to do, and then I kind of went into this little loss of inertia because it was all just kind of sinking in, and then I started to realize, well, you know, there's probably no rush to get to a lot of this stuff. I'm gonna have a little time. So I decided to indulge myself and cook as a little bit of stress relief, which I love to cook. I've been listening to some podcasts that are actually uh, cooking related. A new one I got into that I really enjoyed so far is called Sporkful. Great Um, show. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of not geared. It's geared towards just people who like to eat as opposed to people who like to cook, which is kind of a cool take. Uh, You know, that's what I've been listening to for interviews. I'm sorry, Chris. Sorry, yeah, it's uh, Dan Pashman out of... uh... I think he's uh, re- I don't think he's related to NPR, but it's Dan Pashman's out of out of New York, 
And he does a great job. It's a very approachable show, dives into some of the minutia of different cuisines. He does great interviews and it's got a light, interesting tone to it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and I just, I, I like how it approaches the accessibility of food, which I think is, is pretty crucial in these times right now. I think a lot of people, you know, they're being thrown into the deep end right now. And, you know, I, I like anybody that tries to tell them like, it's okay, you're going to have fun. If nothing else, when this eventually blows over, uh, you're going to certainly not balk at paying whatever you have to pay when you go to eat out at a nice place, at a nice joint. And then you'll certainly tip your servers well, I imagine. No doubt so, about yeah, that. Podcasts have been getting me through it. And, uh, and then also just listen to some stuff, you know, like, uh, or actually, well, one thing I subscribe to is this, uh, the conversation, which is kind of a compendium of scientific articles, uh, that they send it just kind of they've been touching on the coronavirus stuff but it's been nice to have a source of uh, just kind of facts and, and forecasting and, and thinking about how this is going to affect us in the long term you know I think we're all thinking about some existential questions and I prefer to do it from a place of science but that that's me personally right there with you buddy that's that's a that's a great recommendation yeah how about you Adam Oh, well, you know, I, when people say they're bored, I don't understand. (laughs) Exactly. You know, life, life is so interesting. (laughs) I, I can't imagine being bored. There's never enough hours in the day for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But the ways I'm passing the time, I've been, I've been writing songs. I get up at five every morning and I try to write a song every day. And uh, that's been very interesting uh i'm not saying i write a good song every day but i do write a song every day and finish it i i just started um taking some bass lessons online again uh with my man seth horan that's h-o-r-a-n he's out of syracuse and he's he's i call him sensei he calls me padwan and uh and and we he's an amazing teacher and and you, you know if you can take lessons uh, at something you will never regret it. You know, l- lessons are wonderful. Um, and I think they're better as you get older because you appreciate them more and you take them more seriously and you, you practice and do what your teacher says. And so that's been great. Um, of course, you know, the musician thing is interesting because all of us who are used to being gigging musicians are not gigging. Um, so a couple of my bands were trying to figure out how to jam online. Uh, I'm actually supposed to do that after this call. I'm supposed to putter around with some software that's supposed to let us jam online. I, I, I'll believe it when I hear it. Um, I was going to say, Mr. So, microphone sitting in front of you that we're not using. That, that, that we're not using because we couldn't figure it out. Now I'm going to try to jam, which is a whole other set of... Oh, I hope you do. That'll be great. No, it's yeah, a great idea. Yeah, I hope so. But, you know, I want to say about musicians is, you know, I'm a... I'm a very serious uh, amateur musician, Um, but I have an awful lot of friends who are professional musicians full-time. It's what they do. Uh, They rely on it for, 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 for money. They're part of this gig economy. And, you know, there are just so many things about what's going on right now that are going to be incredibly hard. One of them is the situation I find myself in as a small business owner, trying to stay afloat and keep my people employed. And then people in the gig economy, like musicians, they need help. So, you know, if you're in a position to patronize these people by buying their music or whatever, you know, I, I highly encourage it. They're, they're very hardworking people. You know, they, they, <laughs> they deserve support as much as everyone. Well, a um, lot of them are doing uh, shows. Uh, I tuned in to Chris Trapper last night, watched yep. a show from his living room and uh, Daniel Ponder the night before. Yeah, and Alan uh, Murphy's been doing songs every day. Uh, which is, yeah, they have Venmo accounts, and you can tip them or, or pay them right there, which is a great way to get money directly in their hands. And and I tell you, what a way to, what a way to pass the time. There's like an intimacy there that you've never experienced. Right. And another thing, of course, I'm listening to podcasts too. My two favorites are uh, Hidden Brain uh, from NPR, Shankar Vedantam. Uh, as That's my son Oscar name. says, Shankar Vedantam is the man. <laughs> um, and we, we love Shankar. He does things about weird economics and human behavior and psychology. Um, he makes me cry. He, he makes me think. Uh, I, I love Shankar. And then another one is called On Being, 
That's Krista Tippett's show. She does interviews with interesting people on deep thoughts, uh, rabbis, monks, writers, um, scientists, all manner of people. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll throw out a couple podcasts. I can throw out podcasts all day, but I'll put, uh, put two up on the, um, two up on there. Uh, one is, uh, if you want something a little bit lighter with a huge backlog of episodes is, uh, judge John Hodgman. So, uh, John Hodgman, who was, uh, the PC and the Mac and PC ads also was a, um, a contributor to the daily show for many years. Uh, he's kind of a humorist and writes, uh, some great books as well. He has, I'd say almost 10 years of backlogs almost every week of him recording with uh, Jesse Thorne from Bullseye doing a judging people's problems and other things on the internet. Uh, so it's light and all different topics. So huge amount of backlog on that. Great show. Um, Ooh, man, how do I pick only one more? You know, if I'm picking one more, that's, you know, doing, I'll do two just because I have to. Um, I'm going to say if you're listening to anything locally, uh, other than obviously what we're doing right now, um, listening to Evan Dawson on WXXI is our right now one of the most balanced sources of information we can all listen to. So I can't recommend that enough. But if we're talking about something that's going to absorb some of your time and isn't necessarily targeted on uh, science is uh, a great one's uh, heavyweight from Gimlet. Uh, Jonathan Goldstein, who is a, I think it's kind of Jonathan Goldstein anyways, is a really great uh, storyteller. There are a lot of small stories, but told so beautifully uh, there's a couple seasons of it on online now that are a hundred percent worth listening to. So really great stuff on that front. Um, okay. One, one TV show you don't think people are watching that they can binge. Ooh, man. One, just one, get one. So I'm going to go with the one that, that I actually started last night. So we'd watched the first season before watching the second season. This is not a bright and happy show. Uh, it's called The Sinner. It's actually a USA show. Um, it's a really well done, just dark, you know, dark people with problems solving a crime as it unfolds over a season. Um, starring uh, Bill Pullman. Oh, yeah. As a, you know, borderline alcoholic damaged detective kind of guy. Uh, Jessica Beale's in the first season, and it's. Uh, really well done in absorbing show. And that's uh, both uh, season one and two are both on Netflix. Kurt. Uh, well, one I just finished and it's a really quick binge is uh, I am not okay with this, which is if you like stranger things, or if you've ever watched uh, the end of the end of the fucking world, which was also a great, uh, that was great. Yeah. Well, if you like that, then this is right up your alley. It's about a, uh, it's about a teenage girl who discovers she has these strange powers, uh, almost like telekinetic powers, but she's also trying to navigate her way through an awkward existence in high school. and But not carry uh, the movie. Not not carry the movie at all, no. Although there are elements of that. Uh, I believe it starts out with a scene of her running through the street in like blood-soaked clothing. So yes, it did definitely hearken to carry, <laughs> but... Um, no, it's not. It's it's much more. It's got a real Stranger Things vibe to it. There's kind of a retro feel to it. So it's it's. And I think the episodes are like twenty to thirty minutes a piece. There's only seven of them right now. But, yeah, the but the main I actress. The heck out of it. I think the main. I think if I remember correctly, the the main actress and uh, uh, her uh, male counterpart are both were both in uh, the movie It from the last oh, the, uh, the last couple the, of years uh, in the first. Uh, version of it or the first part of it right yep yeah. yeah she's she's dynamic on the screen she does a she does a great job oh now that you met yeah okay yeah <laughs> I, i'm picturing it now you're right yep. wow my, my it's great hair in this show so yeah my tv show is the one i've been selling people on for a year and a half since Anne and i saw it it's called rectify okay r-e-c-t-i-f-y um it's it's a drama about a man who has his uh, his um, his death sentence uh, thrown out because of uh, DNA evidence 
that is not clear. And after 20 years in solitary waiting to die, he goes back to his hometown in Georgia. Wow. And um, it uh, haunted me for months and months and months, still does to some extent. Uh, lots of existential questions and questions about the nature of justice um, and, and wonderful, wonderful acting and writing. If you like action, avoid it like the plague. Nothing <laughs> happens in four seasons of this show. Nothing. <laughs> Just people having conversations. Sounds like Mad Men. I love it. Yeah. I love it, love it, love oh, it. We all, we all picked really uplifting shows. This is great. Uh, I suppose you feel a lot better about everything after you watch one of these. Huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, at least real life's not as sucky as this, but all right. <laughs> uh... Well, oddly, at the end of Rectify, I did feel better about everything. I mean, it... it there, there is a there is a redemption arc. Oh, it was like a, a rectified, they rectified thing. Yeah, <laughs> not quite, but. <laughs> All right. Well, I think what I think what we'll do is we'll let's let's just talk a little bit about the challenges that we're all dealing with here. Not to end on a down note, that kind of ended this way with the first one I recorded. Um, you know, what are the challenges and what are we looking forward to um, as we go forward, uh, Mr. Kurt? The challenges, uh, just like being where we are now. Oh, geez. You know, I don't know. It's kind of this, this is kind of this, uh, malaise that seems to have settled over a lot of people because of uncertainty. I mean, as humans, we like to know what's going to happen. We like our routines. We like to, you know, plan and all that's kind of been turned on its ear. So I think it's just for me, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to adjusting to that personally. And I'm, and I'm looking forward to some answers for some of the people that are, there's a lot of people that are still out there on the front lines, like dealing with this and it's got to be scary as hell for them, for their families. So I'm just looking forward to, you know, eventually we're going to have a little more certainty on some things. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that, I guess. Yeah. I think that that's a good one. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to, the government coming up with some pretty clear help uh, for for a couple in a couple of different ways. One is there's going to be just people who need direct help, um, whether that's in the form of of money or unemployment. Um, I think we really need to think about the gig economy people who are not uh, eligible for unemployment. I think maybe they need to be eligible for unemployment. Couldn't um, agree more. Right. Um, and, and, and then aside from just individuals who need help, I, I'm going to go on and on about this. Uh, just from where I'm sitting, I'm looking forward to the government having a cogent plan to help small businesses keep our employees. Um, we need to keep our employees so that we don't have to have as many people on unemployment. And we need to keep our employment, our employees so that on the other end of this, and there is another end of this, I have no doubt there is a there is light somewhere around a bunch of bends in this tunnel um, that when that day comes, uh, our small businesses aren't dead in the water. Yeah. You know, I, I personally, I'll just say I spent I spent five years assembling what I think of as just an absolute world class staff. Um, I want that exact same world class staff on the other end of this. And, and I'm looking to the government to help because there's nowhere else to look. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's a, that's a great summation for, Oh, go ahead. Wait. Wait. And, and I did want to say on a, on a bright note, I'm literally loving being around my family, you know um, uh, you know, two of my three kids are here all the time and they're a delight. We play games. Uh, my wife posted to Facebook yesterday that she, beat Oscar and Iris and me at Settlers of Catan for the first time. Um, it was momentous. It was wonderful. <laughs> we kind of had a good time, even though we all like winning. Um, so yeah, I'm enjoying my family. No, and I think that's, that's a great thing is, you know, while we have time in different ways to appreciate it, I, it's always depressing to see people post about, you know, how they're struggling to be around their family at home. And I feel the same way. I'm really enjoying, I'm going to enjoy seeing, seeing my, seeing more of my wife and having time to spend with her 
because, you know, I do work long hours. I've been in a, you know, a stressful job and a stressful uh, project I've been working on for a long time. And I, I'm going to try and savor that as much as I can, you know, the time I have at home with her and being able to, you know, go on a walk in the middle of the day and do stuff like that. Um, and I think what I'm, you know, I'm worried about everything, of course, but I think being able to reach out and talk to people and try to be good to the people who, and I, I'm going to end probably a lot of these this way because either new people that I've met like Kurt or Adam, who I've known for a while, um, staying in touch with the people that we love and the people that we enjoy spending time with. Um, now's a great time to focus on that because we all, we all live busy lives. One thing I'm doing is every two weeks, my high school buddies and I are having a video conference. Um, I've got one of those tonight at eight with my my buddies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that was so much fun last weekend. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next one. Um, You know, one of my buddies, I email him sometimes we interact on Facebook, but I, I hadn't seen his face in motion in years and, and there he was, you know, out in California and it was wonderful. That's awesome. So I, I can't recommend that enough. I think today for me has been great. I've had three, um, three conversations so far and I, it's hard not to feel better when you're talking to people that you enjoy and spending some quality time. I've got one more later today. Um, but we're going to try to do more of these going forward, both with people from Rochester Food Net. Uh, I recorded one earlier today uh, with somebody else that'll be coming up on the Food About Town podcast, and we'll we'll keep on we'll keep on starting to publish this stuff and figure out how to do this better, and you know bring our perspective for what it's worth into the world and try to be try to be light, but you know talk about things that important to us. I think more perspectives are worthwhile right now. So. Um, more balanced. Yes, exactly. So gentlemen, uh, Kurt Brownell, Adam Wilcox, uh, how can people find the rest of what you talk about online uh, other than the new and updated version of Rochester food net online? Kurt. Well, I'm on Instagram under Kurt Brownell and also on Facebook under Kurt Brownell, but honestly, like check out Rochester food net, man. You get, we're magnified by the power of what seven or eight. So Lots Absolutely. Same message uh, as, as Kurt. Rochester Food Net's the best way to find me these days. Uh, I'm also on Instagram as Wilcox Eats, but yeah, rochesterfoodnet.com. Yeah. So uh, newly newly redesigned uh, through the a lot of efforts from Chris Clemens and um, everybody else on the team. So um, lots to see there. And we're going to try to post more audio and other versions of this as we go forward. Uh, try to get a different view of us both as people and our different perspectives out there. Audio is my favorite medium for this kind of thing. I I struggle with the writing sometimes, but this is, this is how I like to do this. I think we can have a lot of great conversations going forward as well. Yeah. Thanks so much, Chris. All right. Thanks guys. And uh, we'll be back another time on food about town and uh, audio versions of Rochester food net. See ya. Bye. Bye. Later.